Hey, Magic fans, Dante Marcatelli here from the Orlando Magic in Fox Sports, Florida. You're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Paul, Garen, and Mikey. Go Magic! Evening, Magic fans. Welcome to episode 10 of Penny for Your Thoughts podcast. As always, I'm joined by Mikey and fresh from celebrating his birthday, Garant. How are you doing, guys? Mikey? Very well, mate. Thank you. You well, Paul? Very well, thank you. G, good birthday celebrations? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. 21 again, so uh, getting used to this number now. <laughs> 21 plus experience, my friend. Yeah, you've got it. You've got it. <laughs> and also this week, we are joined by our very good friend, Dan Savage, the uh, Assistant Director of Digital Content for the Orlando Magic. Dan, welcome and thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Always a pleasure. Nice, great. How was your Thanksgiving? It was good. It was good. A lot of food. Uh, had a lot going on, but you know, it's just a little different this year. Obviously, under the circumstances, Thanksgiving, like everything else, changed a little bit. So, um, you know, we did uh, go see the in-laws outdoors. Did it as safely as possible. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, pretty quiet, good food, uh, but, you know, itching to get back to normal like everybody else. Yeah, absolutely, my friend, absolutely. Now, can I just, before we go on, um, for those that don't actually know you, would you mind just giving us a little bit of information and uh, about yourself and what it is you do with the Magic? Yeah, so uh, I serve as the Director of Digital News for the Orlando Magic. So my role encompasses a wide variety of things, uh, you know, most notably, uh, you know, forward facing, you'll see me writing articles, uh, appearing on podcasts, you know, helping out occasionally with our uh, radio, PR, uh, other departments as, as they see, you know, need and fit, um, you know, and then, you know, I'm in charge with uh, overseeing all the content that appears on orlandomagic.com. So uh, a lot of stuff goes into to all that meeting with a number of different departments from our video department, from our social department. I'm a little bit of, you know, a jack of all trades, just helping out the organization uh, wherever it needs, uh, whenever it needs. I think it's also fair to say that you're a diehard basketball fan as well, aren't you, my friend? Oh, yeah. I mean, prior to joining the Magic, uh, prior to the 2008-2009 season, I worked for NBA.com, uh, covering the entire league for three seasons. So um, basketball has always been, you know, at the root of a passion of mine you know if i wasn't working for the nba i'd be going to nba games uh still try to take in high school games college games whenever possible uh, if there's a basketball game out there i'm trying to to watch it <laughs> so you're gonna be a good man for this my friend because we've uh, we're going deep diving tonight i like the deep dive. those, are, those are those are more my style now i also think it's fair to say that you uh pretty much live any basketball fans dream life don't you with uh the traveling to and from the games, uh, being involved heavily with the team uh, for the website. Mm. And also pre-game um, and match days, there's a lot of involvement with uh, the guys at Fox Sports Florida, isn't there? Yeah, no, there's a, there's a lot going on. Uh, you know, one of my favorite things to do prior to, you know, the pandemic hitting is uh, just like prior to the game, wherever, what city we're in, whether at Amway Center or on the road, is, you know, kind of sit down with David Steele, Jeff Turner, Dante, um, you know, Josh Cohen on my team. And, 
you know, while you're eating, is just discussing the matchup for the game tonight, the deep dives, what's going to be, is this anything uh, for, the, for the night? Uh, just all that basketball talk, what interesting stats I've found, what interesting stats they've found, just kind of cross-referencing and, and breaking down uh, the opponent, what we've heard, who might be on the injury report, what this guy's got going on. That's the stuff I li you know, live and die for. And so to get the opportunity to do that for a living is just, just amazing. That has to be a lot of fun, my friend. It has to be a lot of fun. No, it is. Now, um, unfortunately, and um, before we go any further, we're going to have to talk about uh, the sad passing of uh, Jimmy Hewitt, one of uh, the team's co-founders. Um, died this weekend, age 79. Uh, I believe it was advanced stages of dementia and also having uh, contracted coronavirus. Now, Grant, as our longest standing Magic fan within the Orlando Magic UK, what uh, did Jimmy mean to you? Well, he's one of the founding fathers of the organisation. Uh, you know, take it back to 1986, him and Pat Williams set out on a mission uh, to bring a franchise to Orlando. And, um, you know, he got a few businessmen together, uh, consortium, built the arena and... Um, you know, was able to, to manage to convince the NBA uh, well, with getting 10,000 um, season ticket plans sold uh, to bring a franchise to Orlando. Um, I believe he was a you know central Florida man through and through, um, did a lot for the community. And it's thanks to, thanks to him that, you know, we've got a basketball team in Orlando. So, uh, you know, I'm sure we're all forever thankful for, you know, the, the team that we love, the jobs that, you know, is created and everything. So, no, it's really sad. Um, a great loss to um, Central Florida. Absolutely, Dan. What's been the atmosphere around uh, the team? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been tough, uh, especially because you know we're not all in the offices uh, like we normally would be. Um, you know, a lot of my connection to Jimmy Hewitt, because obviously I came here in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, was through Pat Williams. Pat Williams. It, when he was in the senior vice president role from the Orlando Magic, we'd spend a lot of times together in the summer. Uh, he'd always come into to my office and we'd kind of sit down and just, he'd, he'd be really interested in who the draft prospects were, who we're going to take. And so a lot of times in the summer, it would be going over that stuff. And then during summer leagues, when we used to host it in Orlando, he would sit next to me and he'd be picking my brain on each and every guy. So I always felt a lot of pressure um, knowing every single player that was participating in the Orlando summer league, whether it was for the magic, the then Bobcats or, you know, take it back to the OKC thunder because Pat was going to quiz me on the guy. So I, I was like real deep dive into, into the uh, Orlando summer league. And we would also write the articles for NBA.com. We'd freelance out and do that as well. So I was covering everything when they had the Orlando summer league. And then, so as part of that relationship with Pat, I had the opportunity to, to work on a few things for various publications with him uh, as he told the story with Jimmy Hewitt about how they founded the Magic. So I had a few conversations with Jimmy, both around the time he was inducted into the Magic Hall of Fame in 2017, and for kind of sit-down interview that was used in a book uh, in 2016. And he was just a pleasure of man, so excited of what the magic had become and, you know, just his part that he played in it. And 
the two of them together, Pat and Jimmy, they could get on going stories for hours. I don't, I don't think I ever actually said a word. I think I just sat there and listened and both of them talked and told tales. Um, so, but it was fascinating uh, to listen to that and to have the opportunity to do that. And so it's real sad anytime you lose somebody who's just a key architect and visionary. And both he and Pat had just this immense vision to see things and, and make them become a reality. And so to lose somebody like that is, is just sad. Um, you know, you wish he was here for the start of another magic season because he'd be so excited about it. Yeah. Just want to say, I just want to say you could have picked worse years to start working for the magic in 2008, 2009. Yeah, I took a lot of credit for that season. <laughs> I showed up, you know, because the magic were having trouble getting over that playoff hump. And then, you know, I show up and they make the run to the finals. So uh, that season, I, you know, anytime I had Otis Smith's ear, I was, I was letting him know about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys, we're going to move on to uh, happier things. We uh, now know when we're getting magic basketball back, uh, preseason schedule has been announced and Magic will play the Hawks in Atlanta on Friday the 11th and Sunday the 13th of December. Uh, UK tip times being midnight for the 11th and 10pm for the 13th. And then we move back to the Amway where we play twice play Charlotte on the 17th and the 19th of December, both tip times for the UK being midnight. Um, hopefully, and I know that there's no information about this as yet, but hopefully these games will be available to watch here in the UK. Uh, both teams are seen as rivals to us in the post for getting into the postseason. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, Mikey, would you uh, mind breaking down your thoughts on Atlanta for what they've done during the off season and what they've got? They've had a really good off season, haven't they? Um, coming off two two twenty, or oh, they had a twenty win season last year, twenty nine the year before that. Um, they were a bit of a problem for us last year, weren't they? Especially the first two games that we dropped. Um, we even the season series at 2-2. Um, but they, they've accelerated their timeline, haven't they, with the moves that they've made. Trey Young's a star. Um, he averaged, uh, I can't think, uh, 29 points last season, nine assists, four rebounds. Um, the other thing I didn't realise is he got to the free throw line nine times a game um, and shot 36%. Um, it's all about Trey Young in Atlanta, isn't it? And I really like the move of bringing in Rajon Rondo and using him as a bit of a mentor to to, to show him how to win, really, um, because that's the next step in in Trey Young's game. Um, they've they've made a number of moves. They had the uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, signed a sheet uh, an offer sheet from uh, the the Kings rejected the other day. Three level scorer, and he can take a bit of the pressure off of Trey Young when he's not on the floor. Um, there was a bit of a mess, wasn't there, when uh, everybody thought he was going to the Milwaukee Bucks and then they said, no, <laughs> I'm not agreeing to this and decided to, to pull, the, pull the plug on that one um, and he ends up in Atlanta. Um, Danilo Garanari, who's a 38% three-point scorer for, the, for his career. Tony Snell as well. Um, Chris Dunn left Chicago, who started quite a few games last year, and you almost think he could be their third string point guard there. Um, and then they had Clint Compeller, who uh, they traded for in February as part of a four-team deal, who's averaged 13 points and 13 rebounds for his for his career. Um, yeah, they've had a really nice off-season at Atlanta. Um, John Collins, I didn't mention as well. I'd really like John Collins. Uh, averaged 20, 20 and 10 last year. 
um, and shot 40% from threes. He's a really nice young player there to, that complements Trey Young. Um, they're going to be a problem this year. And I actually think they might push Miami. I know that's a bit of a, uh, might be a bit uh, optimistic with the season that the Heat had, but they look to me probably one of the stronger, stronger teams in our division this season. I don't know what you guys think. Dan, what's your opinion? Because uh, everybody had them Atlanta down as being a team of great threat last season. And really, for me, they fell short of what was expected. What about what do you what's your opinions on them for this year? Well, they definitely try to accelerate their timeline because they have a lot of young players with a lot of potential, whether you look at Kevin Herter or, you know, obviously Trey Young will continue to grow. Uh, yeah, Cam Reddish, John Collins. But then they brought in a number of veteran pieces and, and there's going to be a lot of competition for minutes in Atlanta. So it's going to be curious. Um, these accelerations of timelines can, can turn interesting because you have veteran players who are signing or coming there expecting to win now. And then you also have the younger players who are still trying to find themselves and grow into their role into the league. Uh, so it'll be interesting how that comes together, especially in an offseason where you don't have nearly as much time to gel, to learn the system, for everybody to define their roles. You're already talking about a truncated preseason, a truncated training camp, truncated offseason. So, uh, you know, this could be one of those situations where, especially early in the season, you see teams with continuity uh, doing a little bit better than expected. So uh, Atlanta has a lot of moving parts, but you have to like from an offensive perspective, what they've done. Uh, Bogdanovich is going to be, you know, a, a huge piece for them. He can play both ways. Gallinari adds, you know, additional shooting for them and it'll allow Trey young at times to move away from the ball and find open three point shots, which we haven't been able to see him really do effectively in Atlanta because he's really had to carry the load. The bigger question I have from them from a, from a tactical standpoint is how are they going to be defensively? Because if you look at some of the players that they're going to roll out there, uh, they're definitely capable of getting buckets. But, you know, when you come into this crunch time of the season and, you know, defense starts to matter more, will they be able to get the stops necessary while still putting up having the potent offensive players in the lineup that I'm sure that they want to have on the floor. And so that'll be one of the interesting things to watch, but you have to love the aggressiveness and their approach that they took to the off season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing, Dan, with regards to uh, Atlanta, will COVID mean that you are able to still travel with the team and go to those games or will you be working from Orlando? Uh, that's a good question, and one that we're still trying to, to figure out. I would imagine, uh, at least for the early part of the season, that I'll probably still be in Orlando, but all, all of this is uh, subject to change. As I think it's kind of been put on Twitter by you know various league executives, the kind of COVID handbook, which is like 140-some odd pages of very well thought and very informative information, uh, you know, was delivered to teams recently. So there's a lot of sifting out uh, – internally uh, figuring all that stuff out that's why you're still seeing limited information about broadcasts etc because teams are going through all that trying to figure out okay how's the best way that we approach this season get things going do it in a safe manner and then maybe scale up from there so so all that's to be determined you know obviously i'd love to to continue that aspect um you know not not being you know, right there in the room all the time uh, makes it a little tougher to cover the team. And, you know, you miss out on some of those nuggets that you might otherwise gain. But, you know, at the same time, we got to 
be smart about it. And, and the highest priority is player safety and getting the season going uh, in a safe manner. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Um, Graham, opinions on uh, Charlotte and their moves this season, uh, this offseason? Charlotte Hornets, yeah. Um, well, Dan and myself have got a good friend who works for the uh, Charlotte Hornets now at the team store, Mr. Lewis Hagerman. Um, so I often catch up with Lewis and, uh, you know, he always um, talks about the Hornets. Uh, he's very happy with their off-season. So I'll just quickly recap it. So they finished the season 23 and 42 last year, coached by former Magic coach uh, James Borrego. Um, so they uh, drafted Lamelo Ball with a third pick, whereas I think they were the ninth worst team. So they gained a little bit in the uh, draft lottery, which assisted them. They drafted three other rookies, uh, a chap called Vernon Carter, Carey Jr., sorry, from Duke, um, Nick Richards and Grant, oh, what's I say, Ryla or Rilla, not sure. I'm sure Dan's um, done his scouting <laughs> on these chaps. <laughs> here and there, right. here and there. But that Vernon Carey Jr., he's a, a Duke product. So, you know, you get quality players uh, from that university. So they're a little behind Atlanta, I would say, in that, you know, they're still uh, gaining assets uh, through the draft as opposed to uh, signing free agents to, uh, you know, bolster the, the talent around them like what the Hawks have done. Um, they did sign Gordon Hayward to a four-year, 120 million deal. Uh, granted, Hayward's 30 now, but he'll add, you know, a great locker room presence, uh, the ability to... Uh, you know, generate his own offense, get people involved, a great locker room guy. So um, when you've got, you know, players like Devontae Graham, Terry Rosier, uh, PJ Washington, um, who are still learning the game, still learning, you know, um, finding their feet in the NBA, then uh, it's, it's good to have these veterans around them. Uh, another veteran they've got, uh, another one we're familiar with, uh, Bismack Biombo. Uh, I'm sure Dan's got plenty of stories on Biz, uh, quality teammate. Um, and they've got, you know, a bunch of other guys as well. Cody Zeller, Miles Bridges, Malik Monk, Caleb Martin. Um, so if you're looking at the Hornets from an off-season perspective, they've probably done what they needed to do. Almost press the reset button, get rid of Batum's contract. They've stretched him, signed a player that could, you know, in Hayward that can assist the younger guys. Um, as they look, you know, to try and challenge for that eighth spot. Um, Lewis, Lewis thinks he'll get the eighth spot, but uh, I'm not convinced. What do you think, Dan? Well, I, I think what, what Charlotte really needed to do in the, in the wake of Kemba Walker, uh, you know, departing to Boston was kind of reinvigorate their fan base and generate excitement. And with the moves of gaining Hayward and Ball in the draft, they've re-put themselves on the map. And I think that was a very important thing for them to do uh, as a franchise, because I think there was a period of time there where they were, you know, last season where it was just like, what's our identity? What's our future path? And now when you look at Ball, when you look at Hayward, when you look at Graham, you have, uh, you know, a trio of guys that, you know, really can make a difference for a franchise. So... Uh, I think they're very excited about their offseason in Charlotte. But again, this is going to be a very tough season for a team that's had, you know, as much change as they have. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you're going to have to have three guys in Ball, uh, Graham, 
who last season became very accustomed to being the primary offensive focus, along with Gordon Hayward, who are going to try to find their offensive shots. And while eventually they can all help each other and play make with one another, that's it's going to take some time. I mean, you know, even when you put players that were as talented as LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, they didn't really hit their stride with the Miami Heat until midway through a normal season. So you talk about three guys you're going to have ball trying to figure out in the NBA, and he's used to being a primary ball guy. You have Hayward, who's coming into this role, and I believe assuming, hey, I'm coming to Charlotte, I'm going to be the man here. And you have Graham, who last season was the man in Charlotte. So they're going to have to figure those things out. I think the good thing about James Borrego, he's a great communicator. He's a guy who will listen to his players. And I think he'll do a, a good job of sorting that out. But that's a much better problem to have is having a few, you know, too many guys who could score the ball rather than not enough. Excellent. Excellent. I've got to be honest for myself. I'm not convinced by Charlotte um, <laughs> as yet. I, I think like you've just said, Dan, there's a huge amount to see how they actually finally gel on the court together before uh, we can make any real assessments of them. I'm not convinced by it. Um, Atlanta, I've, like you've, again, like you said, we've all covered it, that last season they could score, they could shoot the lights out. But when it came to defence, if you could outscore them, you won the game easily because they just could not defend. They could not defend. So, again, I think that's going to be their issue. But we'll see. We'll see. Now, I'm going to take a little move on from... Uh, where we were last week on Penny for Your Thoughts uh, by taking a look at the roster and depth chart. Um, the thought of moving, of carrying this on was a little bit inspired by a question that we got from one of our followers, A. Rich, who's uh, just over the water in, in Dublin. Um, I'm going to come to a specific question later on. But as we look at the squad, I think we all agreed last week that the team had got so many contract decisions to be made and issues to address that the front office could not resolve everything in one off-season, um, even if they took the decision to blow the squad up, which, with the turnaround, as you've already said, Dan, this season, would be completely in impractical. It's such a, a short turnaround. So, again, we're, we're going to run it back. Uh, we go into the season with some continuity. So, the first question I want to ask is, and I'll, I'll throw this one to you first, G. Um the, tra the, the training camp roster has been announced. Do you feel that that's uh, where we are for the start of the season, that we aren't going to see any more moves now? Well, Dan might be able to assist here. We're having a look at the numbers, and we had 20 on the roster, uh, one of which was Jonathan Isaac. So that takes it down to 19 immediately. Uh, you've got two guys with two-way contracts in Jordan Bone and Kareem Mane. Is that what you say it? Me. Main, okay, sorry. There's a footballer yeah. called Mane. We're so, calling uh... Mane. <laughs> <laughs> call? At least um, I call him Main. I mean, that's uh, again, I haven't no, been cool. to him. Yeah, and then you've got um, three other guys John Tesk, Devin Kennedy, and Robert Franks joined the, uh, the roster for the training camp. So you add them to the mix. Um, and then other than that, you've got your, your core 14, I guess, in uh, centre Vucevic, Bamba, Birch, power forward Gordon Clark, Aminu. Of course, Isaac's a scratch because of his injury. Small forward Ennis, Ross, Okiki, two guard Fournier, Anthony Bacon, and point guard Fultz and Michael Carter-Williams. 
Um, so I'm not 100% sure if we've got an open roster spot. Um, but that to me looks pretty set unless, you know, one of these uh, camp invites uh, does really well, like we saw back in 2012 when Dequan Jones uh, was uh, made the roster as our starting two guard. Um, so, no, I, I think that's probably it, you know. But I don't know, Dan might be able to shed some more light on that. Yeah, no, I was just looking up the pronunciation of Kareem there. And, uh, you know, you may, be, you may be closer to right than, than I was, uh, to be quite honest. Uh, I've watched tape of him. Um, but again, you know, I haven't been introduced to him formally yet. Uh, so, but one of the things I think that he brings to the, to the table is just an explosiveness. Uh, you know, he's one of the guys I'm more intrigued about out of the, the five guys that were, you know, announced kind of at one time, just because he comes from, you know, Canada, wasn't seen as much. Uh, there was some talk, you know, I mean, if he would have produced those kind of numbers at a Kentucky or, a, you know, Duke, uh, could have gone much higher in the draft. So I think he's, a, he's kind of one of those guys that you could look at and say, did we, you know, find a, a diamond in the rough uh, type of situation mm-hmm. um, where now I think the big question regards to him is, can he do it against higher competition level? That's something, you know, you don't have to, to worry about when you look at like a Cole Anthony, because he's played at the highest level of competition at every level. I think one of the things when it comes to Kareem that you're going to have to, to look at is, you know, he's going to be playing up a notch in talent pool, not only at the NBA level, but even when he's playing at the G League. So I think it's, he's a great guy to take a two-way flyer on. Uh, and then you look at another guy like Bone, who, you know, was a second round pick, uh, you know, a, a few years back. And there was obviously something that NBA teams saw in him. So put him in your system kick the tires on him, especially in a year where you don't have a second round pick yourself and develop him within, you know, your G league system and see what you have there. So there's some intriguing guys uh, there. Uh, Kareem obviously being the, the guy who sticks out the most to me uh, individual um, individually and uh, hope to get to, to see all these guys a little bit more here and, and learn a little bit, a little bit about them in terms of Orlando's development. You know. Michael, what's your feelings on the squad? You happy with it? Yeah, it's the same as G, really. I think it's pretty much set as it is. Um, Dan's already touched on uh, Kareem Mane. I'm going to call him Mane. Yeah, you might I, I, right. I, won't, I won't break out into a Liverpool song. It's cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, there's there's a couple there that might might squeeze into the uh, to the regular season roster, but I think I think with the short and off season, I think the front office have taken not they they've taken the safe option and saying well with such a short and off season you we're, we're going to go with continuity because you know what you're going to get from this group um and hope to get off to a good start to the season really so yeah i, I think it's pretty much set yeah i i agree i agree dan um i do want to ask you whilst we're just talking about the roster what can you tell us about cole anthony because i know um, that you were involved in a little bit of the uh, work, background work in uh, looking at him for the team? Yeah, no. Uh, well, I, I sat down with uh, Magic Assistant General Manager Matt Lloyd to do a, a detailed article, just kind of peeling back the whole process of how does a guy like Cole Anthony, when does he come on the Magic's radar? How does it, you know, a prospect... Uh, become identified and then how do they go about scouting him 
and then on top of that, you know, ultimately come to the decision to, to draft him. Uh, so with Cole in particular, he's one of those guys that flashed probably about as early as you could as a prospect. One, because he did well and was able to play at an early age uh, in some of these Nike camps and, you know, AAU circuits and USA basketball that are open to NBA GMs and scouts. So by the time, you know, he was in his uh, late teens, he was already identified as a guy. And then as you start performing well in these things, you play at the McDonald's All-American game, et cetera, they had started to develop a tally on him. And so the one great thing about Cole Anthony is in today's age, there's a lot of like players will try to get identified. And then once they are, they kind of pull back a little bit from doing things because they want to leave a little bit of intrigue, not do anything to hurt their potential draft stock. And Cole Anthony never did that. He is a guy that at every level played against the highest level of competition, did nothing to, uh, to hide, you know, always wanted to compete at the highest level. And, you know, th there's something to be said for that. There's also something to say for the fact that he's not shied away from the fact that he is the son of a former NBA player, Greg Anthony. Uh, he's been, you know, willing to talk about that, even wearing, you know, his father's number, you know, coming into the NBA. So he's willing to, to be, you know, in the pressure cooker for, for lack of a better word. He played at a top-notch, top-notch high schools, both when he was in New York City and then he transferred down to Virginia at Oak Hill. Uh, you know, he was on the cover of Slam Magazine uh, going from his junior year into his senior year. So, you know, he's not a guy who's scared of pressure. And I think um, there's a lot to be said for that. And then when you look at the fact that he was a consensus probably guy coming into college that he would be a top three NBA draft pick. And then he dealt with injuries. And you could see in the tape, you watch his two, first five games with North Carolina, and they're considerably different from these games post-injury. So for the Magic at pick 15, to be able to get a guy that comes from that talent pool, uh, there's something you know special there. And hopefully he can materialize and be the guy that we saw with the athleticism, the burst of that first five games in North Carolina in his high school career, rather than the guy that he was necessarily post-injury. And at number 15, uh, you really can't, you know, ask for anything better than that. There have been a lot of uh, things written that we may well have got the steal of the draft. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to put too much pressure on him, but there's a lot to like about his game. And, you know, one of the guys that Josh Cohen and I, as we were breaking down, looking at his film, you know, you see some similarities to him and Jamal Murray, um, where, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to beat somebody, you know, completely off the dribble to get and get to the rim to finish. He can make difficult shots. And so, you know, for a guy who maybe he's not as big as Jamal Murray, but he's also got um, some of the willingness to absorb contact and create contact. Uh, and he does have an explosive burst to him. So I, I think he's a guy that if he can prove he can be efficient at the NBA level, um, he can make tough shots and, and potentially score at all three levels effectively. So I think for him, the, the early things that he'll have to do to, to overcome to be successful is just making sure he's efficient at the NBA level and then develop scoring capabilities at all three levels. Cool, cool. Now, um... I'm going to come to the question that we've got from uh, A. Rich, one of our followers, as, say, as it leads us on nicely into where we're going. Um, and Dan, I'm going to throw this one to you first again, if you don't mind. 
if you yeah. don't mind. Um, the question is, what does T. Ross need to do to become a starter? Well, to me, you know, I, I, I hear that question a lot. And to me, starting is not nearly as important for what I would value out of Terrence Ross is if he's a guy finishing the game. Uh, we've seen throughout NBA history with guys like Manu Ginobili um, that, you know, it's not necessarily, you know, being there at the start of the game that's the most important, but being there in the closing moments. And Terrence Ross throughout his tenure with the Magic has been in the, in the closing moments of a number of Magic games. I kind of personally like him as a second unit guy. I think he performs better there because uh, what he does so well is he gets himself into an instant rhythm. Prior to being the human torch, uh, the nickname that David Steele and them were kicking around a little bit was the microwave because he was you know, instantly heated up. So for a guy like that, why not bring him in off the second unit, get into his rhythm right off the bat, knock down some shots, and then in the closing moments, uh, you know, he's a guy you could also rely on. The other value there with being the second unit is he carries that offensive load. He sees a much higher shot volume playing with the second unit than he would necessarily see at the start of the game when you also have to consider that you have to get guys like Vooch touches. You need Markel Fultz to get into a rhythm. You need to get Evan Fournier going. And so, you know, and Aaron Gordon. And so you start hitting off these big hitters. Uh, it's, I think it's better for his game, better for the Magic second unit to have a guy that can heat up so quickly, come in and take a higher volume of shots. Yeah, yeah. Mikey, what do you feel as, the, as our starting lineup for the season opener then? Uh, I think it's going to be similar to the bubble. Fultz, Fournier, um, I'm going to say Ennis, Gordon and Vooch. That's what I would go with. Um, I would... Is Aminu a possibility of starting with AG at the forward positions? I think that might be something to look forward to. Um, but I would probably, I'd probably put my bet on Ennis at the moment. G? Yeah, I'd go exactly the same. Faults, Fournier, Ennis, Gordon, Vooch. Um, I'd be interested. I mean, we don't know a great deal about Chuma Okiki. Um, he could play the three, I guess. Um but we haven't seen him. We don't know what to expect. Some people have said he's a bit like Kawhi Leonard. Again, we don't know, do we? Um, so I guess we just wait and see what Coach Clifford thinks is the best lineup. Uh, it's probably, I don't know, maybe too early just to throw him in the deep end. But some some players, you know, uh, prosper when they're, when they're just thrown in there. Do your thing. You look at Gary Clark last year. Superb. You know, he was asked to guard Giannis in the, in the playoffs against the Bucks, and he did an admirable job. And you know, we're, we're happy to have him back. Um, but I can't really see anything of a short of Ennis at the three, Gordon and Vooch up top. Yeah. I'm with you both. Um, I know that on ESPN they've got on our depth charge, sorry, depth charge, depth chart. God damn right, I put my teeth in. Um, <laughs> they've got Terence Roth starting over Ennis, but I, I would go with uh, as you two have. I think that's the case. Dan, any opinions? Uh, we're giving anything away. We don't expect. <laughs> no, in terms of starting lineup, I, I think you you know always start training camp kind of the way you finished, and then make guys prove that they you know deserve bigger roles. Um, so I think at, the, you know, the start of training camp where we are right now, 
Um, you're going to go into with that starting lineup. And then, you know, so much can happen throughout the course of a training camp that can alter that. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a little bit early to tell, but I would imagine they go into training camp with that mindset and then you see what other guys do, you know, um, James Ennis is proven that, you know, he's a, he's a valuable piece. He's a veteran. He knows the system and it may be too early for a guy, you know, when you look at the other guys who could potentially fill in for him down the road, like a Chumo Kiki or, you know, another guy who could push his way into a starting lineup somewhere, you know, in the future, like a Cole Anthony, it's going to be very hard for rookies to, to figure out their way to get in the starting lineup. And then you start looking at the veteran pieces in there, like the Michael Carter Williams, the Terrence Ross. I think they provide so much stability that with the second unit and they have defined roles there that you'd hate to disrupt that. So uh, I, I think for the favorite right now out of the gate is the, the lineup that they kind of, I say close the bubble with, but a lot of those guys were injured at the, at the end of the bubble. So um but but that grouping will probably be the favorite to start training camp. So the reason I went with um, the starting lineup that I did was because if we are going back into the season with continuity, then you have to, as you as you've said, Dan, go with the rotations and the um, kind of understanding that the players have got of of their roles and who they work well with. So that was the reason I went with that. I've got to say. Yeah, it's a good point. And, you know, you know, eventually you have other guys coming back from injury too, like, in, you know, an Al Farouk Aminu who will, who will try to, you know, potentially fight for his role in there, depending on whether you, you want to play Aaron Gordon at the three or the four, uh, and, you know, offers defensive flexibility. But again, I think coming into training camp, especially as some of these guys are trying to come back from injuries, et cetera, uh, you know, you have to look at that one as kind of the favorite. Um, on that point, Dan, um, is there any update as to the progress of Mo Bamba with regards to his recovery from clearly the effects of COVID? Uh, I think over, I don't know. It's been called the same in in America, but over here, yeah, it's being referred to as long COVID. Yeah, no, uh, uh, that's a good point. I think that's one of the things that we're gonna kind of over the next few days, whether it's Alfred Aminu, whether it's uh, Mo Bamba, or whether it's uh, you know, guys like Chumo Kiki is really start to gain an idea of their progress, how they've come back from injury. Uh, and I think, you know, Bamba falls into that category. I think the thing we know about the Orlando Magic is that they're going to proceed with caution, whether, uh, you know, for any of their players, uh, they're going to look out for the best interest and their long-term uh, future. So I think those are things that'll start to, to come out in the coming days and, and we'll see how they go from there. Okay, cool. Um, on ESPN, I noticed on ESPN they've still got both uh, Amin, uh, Al Farouk Aminu and uh, Chuma Akiki uh, listed as being day to day. So it'll be, it will be interesting to see um, how they progress through training camp because it be, it's going to be exciting to see some of these guys coming back. Uh, I don't feel we ever got to see the best of Al Farouk Aminu last season. Yeah. No, I, I think he has a lot to offer a team, especially with his defensive versatility. But again, you know, you have to proceed with caution with, with a guy coming off like injury like that. Uh, you know, obviously we haven't had a full off season. There's different, you know, training protocols and everything along those lines. So, you know, he'll be one of those guys to, to watch closely over the next few days. So from there, um, who do we feel has got the most to prove uh, during this new season? 
Grant, let's go with you first, mate. For me, um, just because his name's been uh, banded around in all these trade rumours, you know, he's going to Golden State, he's going to Brooklyn. Um, it's Aaron Gordon. Um, kid's 25. He's been in the league six years. Um, drafted fourth overall. Um, he, I, I think he gets a bad rap. Um, he's very good defensively. He does little things that people don't really notice. Um, so that Brooklyn game last year, you know, key block at the end. He's gone off for 40 points against them. Now, granted, uh, let's just have a quick look at his numbers. So last year, in 62 games, he averaged 14.4, which was uh, a little backwards on the season before 16, and the season before that, 17.6. So, you know, maybe defences are, you know, honing in on a bit bit more um, and, you know, trying to stop him a bit more. Um, but the fact he's, I don't know, he, he signed an 80 million four year deal with us. He was going to be, you know, one of our star men. Um, it probably hasn't happened um, like we'd wanted it to. Um, and given that Isaac has, you know, uh, gone down for the season, then he's got that opportunity. And we probably said this last two or three seasons, you know, to get the ball a bit more, to, to score a little bit more. Uh, but it just feels sometimes it's gone missing the last couple of seasons. So um, for me, he's got the most to prove. Um, quash these trade rumours. You know, he signed with us for another two seasons. Uh, he's a quality player. Like I said, 25. Um, you get some people coming in drafted, you know, at 25. He's got six years experience in the NBA. Um, and if I was to say to you, you know, you could draft a player tomorrow and he was going to average, you know, close on 15 points a game, seven rebounds, four assists. Um, you know, he'd be in the running for rookie of the year. Now, granted, he's not he's not a rookie. Um, he's a very solid, solid player, but you just want to see him take the next step. So for me, it's um, AG. Okay, cool. Mikey, have you decided? No, not really. Uh <laughs> I'm I'm t- I'm toying between Bamba and Fultz, but both for different reasons, really. I'm going to go with Fultz, to be honest, uh, for for the most to prove, really. Um, the reason I'm not going for Bamba is because I think because of the whole COVID uh, situation, he's probably going to get the benefit of a doubt and a little bit longer to to ease himself back in. But for Fultz, it's it's year four. Um, he's coming off. I mean, last year was a, a prove it season in terms of coming off the injury and, and, and showing us that he was healthy and he could be an NBA player. Um, and I think he shocked everybody by starting after five games. Um, but it's a contract year. He's, ex- he's due for a contract extension uh, right now. Um, he averaged 12 points, um, 73% from the free throw line, uh, 26% from the three um, is something we all want to see improve. Um, but that's just going to be going to be reps. He's had a really up and down start to his NBA career. Um, but he's shown us flashes last year, didn't he, of what he could do. Um, I, I go back to the Lakers game in the Staples Center and how he closed the game for us down the stretch in that one. Um, but it was just great to see him out on the floor last year, being healthy, being able to to, to run the offense and start as early as he did. Um but I think Fultz is probably the one player at the moment who we probably look at who's got the most potential of becoming that star player. Um, 
and between year three and four, this is it's difficult because this off season would normally be the one where you'd like him to make the biggest jump in in his development, um, but he's not going to get that because of the whole situation. So it's going to be tough for him, but playing games and getting minutes and getting his opportunities, he's he's got his chance. He's on a team that believes in him. He's he's with an organisation that believes in him. Um, he's shown us what he can do last year. I just think now we just want to see him take his game to that next level this season. So for, for you, Mikey, is it that it's Magic fans he's got to prove himself to? No, or no, no. I don't think... The, the, the naysayers in the league who were saying he's a bust. I don't. Th- I don't think he's got. I wouldn't say it's ma- Magic fans believe in him. I mean, we're we're all pretty defensive of him, aren't we? Um, when other when other fans want to jump on him, we're like, no, 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 we're not having any of this. Um, I just think for the franchise moving forward, um, he's got the opportunity with Isaac out this year to be that lead player this year and become almost the face of the franchise if he can take that jump and, and that's what we're that's what we're lacking that's what we desperately need isn't it that star player um so no I, I'd, I'd probably say it's the rest of the league but again it's it's all it's all in Fultz's court that the front office believe in him um it's it's whether he's that long-term answer at the point guard position really and, and he's got pressure now hasn't he with Cole Anthony being drafted um which I said last week is might be a good thing having a bit of pressure on faults um that he can't sit and expect just to be handed the keys to the starting position he's got a he's got to really earn his minutes Dan is there anyone for you you know it's funny when you when you say that the question you really break it down because you know if you were to say it in terms of magic fans you know the answer might be Evan Fournier who who has who you know in terms of coaching staff he's proved himself and you know he has a very defined role uh but you know he gets he gets a harsh rap if you read the the comments on Twitter sometimes uh from from fans when you know I think if you put Evan Fournier on a different team and fans were watching him they'd be like you know we could use a guy who does the things like Evan Fournier does but it just becomes one of the things where I think at certain points in his career here he's been asked to do a lot and carry a lot of the offensive load because he was the only guy who could who could do it on the roster at at times Um, so I think you know that gives him a, a bad rap and you know I, I think there's a lot of things that he brings to an NBA team that if he weren't here, you would notice and, and fans would miss, um, you know, but with that being said, you know, he, he does have a very defined role and I, I don't think, you know, he has necessarily those things to prove. I always look at the guys when you really look at that co- question, like a Kareem Mane, you know, who's a guy who, uh, you know, was fighting for his spot on the roster. And I did confirm for you guys, it is Mane. So um, <laughs> I, I just shout out a text there to our PR guy, just to confirm for you um, that, you know, is fighting for his, his place in the league and proving that he could play at this level of competition. The, the guys at the bottom end of the roster are always really trying to prove, okay, I'm worthy of a, a spot, whether it be in a G league and the fact that you gave me an exhibit 10 contract or I'm, you know, I may be on a two-way contract now, but I deserve to, to be, you know, have a full roster spot next season. So those guys are always fighting for it. And then you're going to have the two rookies this year, Chuma Okiki, who's going to try to prove that he was worthy of being selected where he was, even though he has a year off. And a guy like, uh, uh, you know, Cole Anthony, who's always eager to prove 
um, what he could do and the fact that he should have been, I mean, in his own words, he feels like he was, you know, the top player in the draft. Uh, so, you know, that he was valuable, more valued, uh, than people gave him credit for. And I thought Mikey brought up a really great point when you talk about guys like Fultz and Bamba, this off season was supposed to be huge for them in terms of work and development. And they get robbed a little bit of that by a shortened truncated off season. So it, it'll be interesting to see how much they were able to do in such a short, limited time. But again, you know, for these guys, playing time is valuable and we'll con hopefully continue to see steps of growth there along the way. For me, it's Mo. For me, it's Mo. Um, I am going to go easy because both Mikey and Grant know that early on last season, I, I'm not going to say I was willing to give up on him, but had there been offers I would most certainly have considered them um, I am going to be fair and say his, his development has been stalled by injury without any shadow of a doubt um, and also some limited opportunity because of how dominant Vooch is in that position uh, what, that, what Nikola Vucevic does for our team is huge and as such whenever Mo comes in He's, he's almost battling. He's, he's, he's battling to get out of that shadow and it's a difficult place to be. So I'm going to go easy on him, but for me, it's Mo. And I really hope he does make those steps because uh, he's, a, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy and deserves the success. So, Dan, can I just um, ask you a question now? Yeah. Obviously, it's all, we already mentioned that you uh, joined the Magic in season 2008-2009, the final yep. of the year. Um, when you did Instagram Live for us back in May, you told a uh, favourite win story, the semi-finals in, against the Celtics. Yeah. Our following has grown hugely since that time. And I'm just wondering if you'd uh, tell the story again, because Magic fans are going to love that. No, it, it was one of those things that that whole run was uh, magical, for back, lack of a better word. Uh, just because it was a little bit un unexpected. You know, Jameer Nelson goes down. Uh, you struggle in the early round against Philadelphia. It's like, how far could this team go? And it just seemed that every round, the team gained so much more confidence in itself. And there became this belief that, oh, without a doubt, they went from the, you know, the point in the Sixers, Caesars, Six Sixers series of, can we get out of the first round to by the time that they were playing LeBron and the Cavaliers, uh, that we're the best team in the league and they're going to have to, you know, come through us kind of, kind of mentality. So it was really interesting to watch that grow within the team over the course of that postseason. But without a doubt, I think a huge turning point in that postseason that gave this team the belief that they could win an NBA finals came in that game seven of Boston. You talk about all the history there. Uh, and it's, you know, I think believe it was, they were 32 and Oh, at that point, uh, in closing out a series up, you know, uh, whether it was 3-2 in a series and they had the final game at home over the course of their history. And, you know, for the Magic to come in there and do it. And then for me, you know, I sat down in that environment uh, at my media seat and there happened to be this, you know, a little chart there that said, you know, Dan Savage, OrlandoMagic.com, my seat. And where they had us, sitting was this makeshift table to accommodate all the extra media in the in the postseason and it was right in between a row of fans so there are fans in front fans behind and some celtics fans uh saw 
right right away that I was with the you know Orlando Magic organization, and you know it was prior to tip off and they were already riding me saying, you know, they were waving these towels and, and all this stuff, talking tons of smack. And, you know, the magic going into the fourth quarter, make that huge run. It seemed like Hito Turkoglu just had it going that night and the magic pull away and the fans started to vacate even before uh, the final buzzer sounded and had a nice little exchange with a fan, uh, you know, waved a towel at him uh, that he'd been waving at me all game and uh, had happened to leave on the floor. So, you know, it was just a fun one being from Orlando. I try to look at the things unbiasedly, but, um, you know, that, that one was a fun one for me. And then to go into the locker room afterward, uh, Stan Van Gundy, I believe, had written on the whiteboard 32 and one, and that one being the, the magic uh, victory that they had secured in Boston and the energy in there, I think after that game seven win against the Boston Celtics really set the tone for what they would do in that series against the Cav Cavaliers in the Eastern conference finals, because what people forget in games, both games one and two, they faced huge deficits. I think in game one, at one point, they were almost down 20 points uh, against that Cavaliers team. And they just had this belief like, okay, we're down huge like we're gonna go on a run and come back and I think it was the things that they did against Philadelphia and the Celtics that set that belief that regardless of who they're playing what kind of deficit they were facing they could come back and win games is it right you still got the towel I do have the towel um <laughs> you know it's funny I'm going through a home construction re reconstruction right now and and remodeling uh you know some things and so I I actually up until, uh, you know, a few days ago, had the towel uh, right over here, but it's boxed up right now at, with uh, some other material. But yeah, I do have that towel. It's one of the, the few uh, trinkets I have from my travels on the road. It's a quality memento, my friend. Quality yeah, memento. That's one, I'll, that's one I'll keep. G, I know you wanted to ask uh, Dan something. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, if we can't go to Orlando on vacation, um, I've been to a number of road games, New York, Brooklyn, Miami on the road. But seeing as you're a, a traveller who, who gets to go mm. to many arenas, where would you recommend uh, to a Magic fan to go for a road game? Ooh, that's a that's a that's a tough question because um, there are so many different things that I like about each city and the uniqueness that they bring. Um, you know, two of the the louder arenas uh, that I've been through in my time were Peak OKC. Um, it felt like when you're going in there when they had, you know, Russ and KD, um, that that environment was just so loud and fans standing almost like a college atmosphere till that first bucket scored um, before they sit down. And, you know, that could be a wild environment. Uh, I really liked Golden State, you know, being at the Oracle, um, but they, their new environment, it feels a little bit like Amway Center. There's some elements to, to it that you feel a lot of these new arenas have certain Amway Center envelopments, you know, environments to them that they, they kind of took along the way. Um, and, you know, that crowd, the luxury and experience of that new arena is, is something else. Um, you said you had the garden. For me, that's special. Um, you know, I grew up in the New Jersey, New York City area. And so, you know, uh, once or twice a year, I would get the opportunity to go to the garden sometimes for a Rangers, New York Rangers hockey game. Um, Cause I had a friend growing up who had season tickets and then occasionally 
uh, would get to go in for a, you know, a Knicks game. And so for me, when I still go in there to cover a game and I'm on the floor, it's, it, it's like a special moment for me um, personally. So uh, if you've checked that box off, those are kind of interesting stadium ones. Then you, you bring in the food element and that goes into the city. And that's, that's kind of selfishly where my mind goes and it's like, what am I going to eat in that city? What am I going to drink in that city? And those are the things I really start thinking about. Um, you know, some of the traveling party members that I've gone with over the years call me the, the, the uh, travel planning committee because I kind of map out a list of things we have to get in each city along the way. So there are people who, who just, uh, you know, as soon as we get to the hotel, put their bags down and they're like, all right, Dan, where are we going? What are we, what are we trying out here? What, what's the dinner plans for the night? So, uh, those are the things I really deep dive into. Um, and so, you know, Portland's special in that way. Denver's special in that way. Uh, Phoenix has some interesting nightlife elements to it. So, I mean, to me, I could find something special for you to do in any city for one to two, two days. It's just, does the city have the long-term uh, value to it of whether yeah. you want to live there or not long-term. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, That's I could cool. really Thank get into you. that question. I find nuggets in each city. So, you know, I, I value aspects of each one of them. Cool. Thank you. Mikey, anything for Dan? Yeah. Um, you were talking about earlier, you were sat down with uh, assistant GM Matt Lloyd uh, talking about Cole Anthony and the scouting process. How did that differ this year into, in compared to years that have gone by? No, that's a really good question. And, you know, you could maybe make the argument that's why the Magic had a, a little bit of an advantage uh, getting a player like Cole Anthony when maybe, you know, he would have gone perhaps earlier if it were different circumstances. With a guy like Cole, who's, you know, kind of coming off an injury, you want to be able to see all that those elements in person, see the bursts. And normally you have a combine in Chicago where these guys can work out and prove themselves in front of everybody. And with a guy like Cole's background, I'm sure he would have worked out there and, you know, tried to use every element of his time to prove that he was the player he was prior to the injury, the guy who was so highly touted coming out of high school. The Magic had the opportunity to both watch him in person and meet with him because he happened to be doing something down in Miami and they were able to take a drive down. Now, teams were only allowed to have a limited number of these in-person, you know, in meetings and workouts compared to under normal circumstances where you'd have Chicago, you'd have guys flying in and out. Uh, you know, you guys have even seen some of the coverage we've done in Orlando Magic, you know, .com over the years where, you know, people always pull up the photos you see of like Trey Young in a Magic uniform and, you know, this guy, that guy over time because they've come there, they've worked out, they've done media sessions, you know, none of that this year. So perhaps in a guy like Anthony's situation, um, which was a little bit unique, um, the Magic were able to see him, get their hands on him a little bit more and be very assured of the type of player he was. You know, in addition to that, there's a lot of virtual elements, you know, both with the pause in the season and then, you know, with the restrictions afterwards. Um, when the season paused, you know, the Magic were already starting to look at guys as potential free agents, guys that were going to be in the draft and spend a deep dive on that because there was such a big break in between. So um, there was a lot of time to really analyze, analyze these guys, but it was done differently because it was over video. Okay, cool. And 
obviously through COVID, sadly the Magic have had to lay off quite a number of uh, long-term staff. How hard was it to see somebody like uh, John Denton and Dennis Newman, Joey go? Yeah, uh, you know, I, it's a it's a tough spot for me to be in because um, you know, as the Magic organization doesn't comment on you know any of the any departures or whatever. But you know, all really great you know people as you've as you've mentioned, and you know, it, those are guys I, I traveled a lot with. Um, so you know, for me, um, I'll just say that. You know, I've stayed in contact with all those guys. I text with them regularly, good friends of mine. And, you know, I'm sure that the future holds great things for all of them. And, you know, the Magic organization loved all of them too. So, you know, it's, it's just very tough times for, for everybody in all facets and, you know, all uh, elements of business and, and walks of life. So, you know, tough situation, uh, you know, love all those guys uh, like family. As, um the covid the the epidemic really impacted on the way you work oh uh, yeah no for sure i mean you know you're talking about right now um i'd already you know be in the building seeing these guys come in for workouts i would have seen draft workouts go on i would have met all these guys and you know for me you know now you're trying to establish relationships and coverage off of zoom calls and you know a lot of uh, digital stuff so it's a lot tougher um especially you know when it comes to newer guys when you're talking about guys that you know like aaron gordon or uh you know vooch who i've been around you know for the longest time i could easily you know text or you know hop on a call or zoom with them and they already know who i am but you know it's going to be tougher for you know me to start to establish relationships with you know guys like Cole Anthony or, you know, somebody like uh, Dwayne Bacon, who's, you know, coming in for the first time and, and start building those relationships because, you know, now I'm just a little box during a zoom call while they're perhaps talking to some other media and, you know, maybe I'll, maybe, you know, once every so often I'll get something individually uh, with one of them, but yeah, no, uh, the tough elements were like on draft night, I was kind of like in a COVID uh, safe room, you know, where people have certain credit, you know, access levels based on whether they've been tested or not. And, you know, it gets real tricky uh, so whereas on a normal draft night, you're interacting with everybody, you know, you're discussing the picks, who's left on the board, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it was just kind of a little bit like isolating to, to be there kind of, you know, by yourself or with a limited group of people versus what the normal experience is like. So, you know, I, I cannot wait for things to, to get back uh, to normal as much as anybody, um, you know, hopefully they could get this virus under control, save a lot of lives, you know, most importantly, and then we could all get back to doing things the way we love, doing the things we love the way we love to do them. Yeah, yeah. Now, for Garant's favorite part of any of <laughs> your thoughts, the trivia. Now, gee, um, you've done one quiz already this week, haven't you? I have, yeah. I was on um, NBA UK fans. Uh, they did their weekly mastermind competition. So a minute on NBA general knowledge and then a minute and a half on a specialist subject. I did all right. I got 13 out of 14. Uh, Orlando Magic player jersey numbers. So I got 13 out of 14. I was thrown by the question on the one I got wrong. <laughs> Having watched it, that was a badly worded question. I can yeah. see where you got that one wrong. It wasn't well yeah. worded. 
But that was an amazing performance, mate. It's such a mind and knowledge. It's ridiculous. Um, Thank you. You know, I dread this part every week when I'm on the other end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Following on, we're following on from uh, Dan's 2009 Game 7 story. Hmm. One that I'm sure you will fly through, G. So, everybody, the starting five for the Magic that night. Hmm. Game 7 against the Celtics? Yeah. Okay, are we taking this one at a time or what? No, if you want, go for it. G, go on. Right, hang on. Ray for Alston. Yes. Um, and let's just get the big ones out of the way. Dwight Howard. Yeah. Rashad Lewis. Yeah. Hedo, Hedo Turkoglu. Yes, I've set myself up with this question, haven't I? And <laughs> I want to say it was JJ Reddick. Five for five, my oh, friend. Five for five. Well done. Okay. Yeah, what people people forget too is Courtney had the the face thing he had to deal yeah. with uh, over over the course of the the postseason there so you know he was kind of uh limited a little bit you know in terms of uh what he could do uh that postseason so you had jj reddick in there and then uh you know the guy who was the you know ultimate six man and in mikhail petrus uh who who that postseason just seemed like every time he needed a big shot uh he was coming through in the clutch Mm. and not to forget should marching gortat so dwight howard got suspended suspended for a game didn't he yeah, throwing an elbow, and yeah. Um, yeah, he came in and did a sterling job to, uh, you know, fill in that role. Okay, well, you've named three of the guys who appeared <laughs> from the bench there in that little conversation. So, who were the other two? Um, Tony Petit. Yes. Um, who else was there? Come on, Mikey. <laughs> hey, you're t- you're taking the front stage here. Yeah? You crack on, buddy. You got dad. Uh, or... Who else is there? Is a point guard you're missing. Come on, G. We got Rafe. And that was the year after Ant- we had Jay. You're forgetting Anthony Johnson. Anthony Johnson, yes, that's What's it. Mike, he's got him. Excellent stuff. Well okay. Easy, easy one, considering the performance that uh, he put in on that night. Top points scored for Orlando on that night? Who got the top score? Dwight Howard, was it? No. Was it not? No. Turkaloo. Yeah. Can you remember how many he scored? Uh, any no. of you? No. I was blind drunk at this point. <laughs> Uh, I actually looked this up uh, a little while ago. I, I, I want to say, because I, I, I remember being like surprised that it was lower than what I had remembered. So I want to say it was like 19, but it felt Ooh. like, what's that? So close, I it guess. was 25. It was yeah, 25 it was, yeah I, I remember it, it felt like 35. Like I remember feeling in the, in the moment, like, and so when I went and looked back at it, I was like, really, that's all he had? Cause it felt like one of those games where he was just scoring everything. Um, so yeah, so then I undersold it uh, in the second memory, but yeah, it, it felt like it was 35. So yeah, when I saw it was 25, I was like, I, I could have sworn he had more than that. And also weighed in with 12 assists, which was the yeah. team. And in that fourth quarter, he was just unreal. I know. So I'm going to ask you one now. 
Um, who had the most steals? Who had the most steals? Oh, so that that would be an interesting one because mm, you'd look at guys coming off the bench. MP was a bit of a risk taker, so I'm going to gamble and go with. Well, no, I, actually, I'm going to go with Ray for Alston. I go with Ray for Alston. What knowledge? Brilliant, mate. Absolutely spot on. Spot <laughs> on. So yeah, and who was uh, top points from the bench? Who scored the most points from the bench? And then that's where that's where I'm going to go with with Petrus in that one. Um, yeah, he was he was great that series, that whole playoff uh, run. Uh, yeah, MP. So going to get Dan on Mastermind, I think. <laughs> yeah. no, I'm impressed by this. It was it was one of those. It, it's funny. I mean, because you know. I deal with these like factoids all the time. The guy who's even got a better memory than me, because I, I have a I have a pretty decent one for these things. Josh Cohen is like the human encyclopedia. Uh, it's so great when you're writing a story and you're sitting next to him because I'll just be like, Josh, you know, I remember we played the Pacers last season, and I really think that you know so and so was our leading scorer, and he'll be like, Yeah, he had you know 19 in 32 minutes, and you're like, Wow. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like human basketball reference so uh it, it almost makes you lazy because you never have to look anything up you just ask josh cohen he just knows <laughs> Geraint's our welsh josh cohen then aren't you <laughs> even in meetings it's funny now like people will be you'll have a big marketing meeting they'll be like 30 people on the call and I feel bad for the pressure that started to be put on him because, you know, there'll be like some random factoid like that, that comes up and everybody will just be like, Josh on the zoom call. And he's like expected to have the answer. And he does. So it's, 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 it's fantastic. Him, David Steele, their memories are just unreal uh, when it comes to that stuff. I have a decent one, but I got to give the nod to those two guys. They're just otherworldly. You mentioned David Steele though. One of the things that we were so hugely impressed with, was how good his commentary was from working from a TV feed rather than being in the arena and able to see everything that was going on. Superb job, superb job in the playoffs and the and the, in the, in the bubble. Yeah, really. in, the, in the in the stuff those guys, David, Jeff, Dante, etc., don't get the credit for it, is the amount of work that they put in in the production and from the start of the morning when they're going into their production meetings and bouncing around all these ideas to the time that they spend up looking up random facts and all the notes that they have and the details. Um, you know, I take it as like an immense uh, accomplishment when I find a fact about a team and, you know, one of them says, wow, I, you know, I didn't see that or something like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> found something that, that even these guys, cause they're just deep diving, talking to people, do, you know, doing everything to prepare for the games. Um, that's why when you hear them, you know, speak on the Fox Sports broadcasters, you know, you can trust the information you're hearing. They put the work in. Yeah. Guys, this has been brilliant. I've had some great fun tonight. Thank you very much. Dan, thank you so much for joining us. We genuinely appreciate the time that you've given us tonight. Well, um, I appreciate it. I hope to see you guys soon. You know, hopefully all, you know, all this, we could start, uh, you know, hang out again. But you don't know how much we want that. <laughs> really 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 but thank you so much um guys look after yourselves and go magic you've been listening to the penny for your thoughts podcast from the guys at orlando magic uk 
Please subscribe to the podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Check out the website at orlandomagicuk.com and support us by using our links to the official NBA store and Fanatics for your official sports merchandise, including the NBA, NFL and many more. And you can follow us at Orlando Magic UK on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and YouTube. Go Magic!